What is good, everyone? This is your host, Deanna Kempel with Label Free Podcast. To live your best life, you must live label free. I'm very excited. We have a special guest zooming in all the way from West Australia. Let me introduce Rail Bricker. He is the business excellence, excellence guy. Can I talk? He also has his own po- podcast called Business Excellence. Rail, thank you for joining us. Please introduce yourself and tell the audience a little bit about your background. Hi, Deanna. Thank you. And thank you for having me as a guest on your podcast. I've been a serial entrepreneur for 30 years. I spent two years working in a, in a major corporation, a large mining house in South Africa, 6,000 foot underground, actually, 6,300 foot underground. Um, and what was interesting, and, and, I, and I'll use that as a basis to an entrepreneurial journey. I was 20 and 21 at the time, and I didn't realize what I was learning. And so only afterwards, when I went out in my own business and I had my own staff to manage, did I actually learn the lessons that I learned within the corporation? But I was too young and arrogant and full of myself to actually understand the lessons at the time. And I think that's a general trend. When we're too young, we, we don't have that maturity to understand things. But that was what, what spurred me on to say I never wanted to work in a corporation because I wanted to know the value of my role. Sure. What do I contribute to the success of the organization and no one in the organization could explain that to me. All they could tell me was how me as an engineer, I had this job to do. They never explained to me how this job made this so big. Right. You know, the, the, the classic uh, John F. Kennedy story where he went to NASA in 1962, you know, five years before they put a man on the moon. And he saw a janitor sweeping the floor and he said to the janitor, what do you do? And he said, I'm helping put a man on the moon. Okay, and the janitor at NASA understood how his role was part of the great organization. And that's what what spurred me to be an entrepreneur, because I wanted to see the impact I was making. And so, yes, I worked there, started an education business the year Nelson Mandela was released. We could talk just about 30 minutes about the political climate, but uh, in South Africa, I'm not going to go there. Um, But it was the year Mandela was released in South Africa. There was a big hunger from previously disadvantaged South Africans for education. They wanted a, 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 an education. They were denied that through their schooling because they had really poor schooling. We started a business that morphed into a great college. We were in the right place at the right time. And we ended up with 4,000 students over six campuses. Um, we decided to reverse list that into the stock exchange in 96. Wow. Um, I then moved out of that business in 97, went into venture capital spent a couple of years in South Africa, came to Australia in 99, joined a VC fund here um, as investment manager, became a director, listed them on the stock exchange in 2000, three months before the crash. So that's a whole different discussion about stock markets and crashes. Um, Six months later, the other directors wanted me to move to Sydney and I loved living on the West Coast. And I said, I'd rather go out on my own. So that was was part of the journey. I then started a business consulting in venture capital and people said, oh, we need loans in our business. I said, well, okay, I don't know how to do that, but I'll find out. And that's always been philosophically where I sit is I've studied a lot. I know a little bit about a lot of things and I know where to find the answers or you can go out and find the answers. So I went out and found the answers, started a mortgage business. And today that's done just over 3 billion in residential mortgages. And seven years ago, I was spurred on because I had some heart surgery 
to follow my passion, which is being on stage. And so I still own the mortgage origination business. I still own the insurance businesses. But um, the last seven years, I've been a professional speaker traveling the world. Or pre-COVID, I was traveling the world. Let me rephrase that. My late father died too young in his life. But he also taught me from a very young age. His philosophy was that when he, die, when he retires one day, he wants 40 years experience, not one year, 40 times over. And so I've taken that on my whole life. I make every year. Having heart surgery at age 49 focused me even more on that. But, but really it was about um, live each day. Live each day. Be thankful for each day. And that's not a religious comment. That's just a, you know, you get up in the morning. You, the birds are chirping. Yes, the world is in chaos over 20 and you know, 2020 and 2021. But... But we have to be thankful for what we're doing and live each day, grab each opportunity and look at each morning as a different day and a different opportunity. And so that's what makes life diverse. Getting up, going the same route to the same job every day would kill lots of people and does kill lots of people. And that's why one in five people are depressed because they don't have that variety. They don't have that purpose, that driving purpose, that driving vision in their lives. Yeah. I would, I would completely agree, and, uh, and I love that. I think that that was a very powerful statement, um, and I, com I definitely have been forced to live my life. Well, I was an entrepreneur for a very long time, as, as we talked about before I jumped on here, before we started recording, but um, you know, recently, in the last couple of years, after my husband passed, I've been in the corporate world, and I do not like it. <laughs> I do not like it at all um i've definitely this has become a, a this was a passion project that has turned into a lot more than that so um you know i i love what your your message is can you tell us about this your your journey through all these different um all these all these different types of businesses and and coming to being a speaker like what what made you what makes you drives you to want to speak and um and to touch people's lives well, okay, so, so it actually started, and again, I have to credit my late father. When I was 14, he took me to Toastmasters, and I found my home. I found my ability to stand up on stage um, and speak, and speak extemporaneously. That's, you know, I, I, I be, I'm, I'm short, I'm five foot six, and so what I found, even as a 14-year-old, as a was that I never stood behind a lectern to speak. And so I honed my speaking skill, being able to stand on the front of the stage, full body with no notes. And, and I do that for, for, you know, keynotes. I do that for day long workshops. It doesn't matter to me, but, but that skill that I learned at age 14 and became South African Toastmaster champion at age 20, um, stood me in great stead. And so I've always loved speaking. When I started the mortgage business, about two years into it, I was asked by a property sales group to do a seminar for their clients on how to um, invest, how to build a property portfolio, how to build wealth. Sure. And so I went off to do that and I found that I had a way of explaining finance to people that made it simple. And I love that. And I've sold of the three billion in mortgages we've done, I've sold over a billion dollars of mortgages from stage. And so for me to shift from that, and what happened is the mortgage industry then asked me to come talk about how to build a mortgage business. 
And that evolved into talking about business and business excellence and starting the business excellence podcast and doing all those other things. But it really stemmed from having been building a successful business and a successful team around that business. Sure. And so, so that's kind of my, my drivers and my motivation for being on stage. I love the adrenaline. I love the adrenaline of big stages, but I also love the long programs I run, the four-month small business academy and the masterminds that follow that because you're really getting into the hearts and minds. You're making significant change. Yeah. In an hour on stage, you get a great adrenaline and rush. You get told how brilliant you are. No, not always, but most of the time you get told how brilliant you are, how much motivation you've imparted to the audience. Yeah. But at the end of it, you walk out of there and you get paid handsomely, but you haven't made long-term change. And so I still do the keynoting or when keynoting comes back in the world, but I love the short 10 to 15 to 20 people in a classroom, three to four months, really doing the deep detailed stuff for them. Yeah, well, you're giving them the tools to make a significant change in their life. So that's really important. So do you do that in person or yeah, can you sign up like, so like I'm here in Chicagoland, can I sign up from over here and jump into class with you? Yes, you can. So I've, over COVID, I have a master's in software engineering, although I don't say that around anyone under the age of 40 because they'll ask me technical questions. And I did my master's in software 30 plus years ago, but I love technology. So I built a studio and that's where I'm speaking to you from now. Um, is, I have five screens in front of me at the moment. I have a studio that has four microphones, three cameras set up in the classroom. And um, it is a totally hybrid interactive classroom. So for the last eight months I've been running since Perth opened up, since we were allowed to have face-to-face -face classes in Perth, I've always had four to six people in the classroom and four to six people online simultaneously. But the people online can see the people in the classroom. The people in the classroom can see the people online. And we actually run role plays with someone in the classroom role playing with somebody online. That's and awesome. it actually works. I mean, it's a little bit static because of the distance. Right. And you know, you're only seeing the top half of their body, but it works. The hybrid model is the model of education in the future. Yes. Uh, in my last academy that finishes tomorrow, actually, I've had someone from Brisbane, Adelaide, um, Switzerland, and he's a, a, an international sports coach on the course, but he travels between Switzerland and Tenerife in the Canary Islands because of the weather's better there for training. Okay. Um, and I've had people from, from Canada all on the same course Wow. with five people in the classroom here at the same time. Don't you just love it? So I, I, I love technology too. And I just think that's just amazing to, I like in person, like I can, I'm, you know, I'm over all this, like, you know, shelter in place, I'm over it. But I think it's just amazing that you can, your reach can go across the world and you can include so many people just because of technology. I think it's an amazing tool. And let's take a quick break to recognize one of our sponsors. Please note that support for Label Free Podcasts is brought to you by Smile Brilliant as a sponsor of this episode. Do you grind your teeth in your sleep? If so, you're among 40 million other Americans who do. Whether it's stress, anxiety, or an abnormal bite, chronic teeth grinding will lead to worn enamel, tooth decay, sleeplessness, and expensive dental procedures. 
the number one teeth grinding prevention recommended by dentists is a custom fitted night guard. However, it's costly with the average dentist charging two to $300 per guard and you will grind through several per year. Using Smile Brilliant's lab directed process, you can get the same custom fitted night guards for as little as $45 per guard. That's a huge savings. Additionally, Smile Brilliant will custom fit teeth whitening trays, and the Kyrie Pro electric toothbrush. Head on over to www.smilebrilliant.com and use the code FREE at checkout for 30% off. Again, that's www.smilebrilliant.com and use the code FREE at checkout. Thank you. I want, I want to ask you this question because I, I, I really like it because um, you're all about excellence. What is excellence? Well, let's, let's hear your, your thoughts okay. on what is excellence. In all my work with corporates, with individuals, with small business owners, it's about being the most authentic self that you are. Living label-free without trying to label yourself as somebody else. It's about, about being your authentic self and showing up every day as you. Yes. And, you know, as, as the hardest thing about being you is being you. Um, because you've got a you've got a brand, you've got a persona, you have to live up to that brand. But that's what excellence is about. Yes, I break it down into into categories for small business that make it easy to understand. But there are models, you know, corporate models, the Baldridge model from the US um, of business excellence, which is for big corporates, and it's a it's a whole multifaceted model of measuring excellence. And I break that down in the small and medium enterprise sector into a couple of components because that's really all small businesses can handle sure. and they can move on from there to create excellence and growth. I'm sure a lot of people connect and really like the, the idea of excellence because it, it gives them something to aspire to. And they, and they, you know, I think if you think of yourself as being an excellent person or reaching a, a, a peak of excellence, I think it allows you to reach those goals a lot faster and, and, and it molds them, mold, mold your students a little bit better, I would think. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it, so I, what, are the, what are the components that I believe are the components of excellence? And so I also believe they're not complicated. So culture to me is the core, right? If in any business, and obviously even as a solopreneur, when you start employing staff, yeah. you almost have to take that weird, path of defining your culture um, and what you want the culture to look like so i believe that the cornerstones are culture and ethics those are the two that if you get your ethics right you draw the line in the sand about what you will and won't do yes and you set your culture on the right path those are the cornerstones of business excellence the walls if you can imagine the a, a, a house being built out of wooden blocks if you put the cornerstones in as culture and ethics, your walls become things like your team, your inspired and diverse team. That becomes things like your systems and your processes and your finance. And finance is interesting. I am a strong advocate in educating your staff or your team members about personal finance, not about business finance. That's a separate discussion. But about when people are secure in their personal financial situation, they are more excellent at work. Yeah. So in order to create excellence in our team, 
we have to give them some level of financial comfort and financial freedom. And that's what it is. And then there's a block in this house that doesn't have markings on it because every business is different. Every business has their own blue ocean. Um, every business has their own unique selling proposition, whatever you want to call it. And so when you put all those together and then you put this roof on your house and there's a roof there on my, over my shoulder <laughs> uh, on the video, the roof points upwards, it's red and it points upwards and it says business growth or yeah. growth potential. So if you get the excellence right, your potential is unlimited. It goes to the sky, it points upwards, it's unlimited, but you have to get those basic foundation stones and the walls right before you can put on the roof of business growth and growth potential. I love that. That was amazing. Wow. You just dropped some major like bombs there. And I, I agree with you. I think that it's, it would be very, very key for any business to educate their, their employees on personal finance, because that's, I mean, yeah. Cause once they feel secure in that, they, they, they're going to be a better employee. You're giving them the tools to succeed personally. I think that's awesome. Well, with that being said, can you plug all your links? So if somebody's listening to this and say, Hey, I want to work with rail. I think he's got some great info. He's got some great wisdom. Where can they find you? Where can they just, how, how would they so be? There are two, there are two simple links. The first is railbricker.com. Um, and in fact, for your listeners, a special gift to your listeners. Okay. There are a few special gifts I have. The first one is if they go to railbricker.com slash free book, okay. they can download a free copy of my first book called Dive In, Lessons Learned Since Business School. It's my entrepreneurial journey over 30 years and the lessons I learned since I left business school in 1988. So I did my MBA in 1988. I, I really started my own business two years after that in 1990. And it's the stories of what I've learned over that journey. That's the, the first book. It's a free download off our website, railbricker.com slash free book. On the Excellence Podcast website and soon to be on the Railbricker website, but not there yet, excellencepodcast.com. Not only are there some great interviews with entrepreneurs around the world, but there is also another free download there, which is a 48-page ebook called Building Excellence. And it actually describes the model that I've just spoken about of the cornerstones of culture and ethics and inspiration and diversity. It's a free ebook called Building Excellence, and it's also downloadable of one of those sites. But I'm on all social media, not all social media. I'm primarily on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Clubhouse. Now and then I run a couple of rooms on Clubhouse. Yeah. But um, my primary focus is LinkedIn because I am talking about business and business excellence, and LinkedIn is the primary you know, business platform. I love it. Awesome. I'm going to make sure that I, when I launch that, when I release this episode, that I'm letting people know that there's some free gifts in this, in this episode that you're giving them. But um, before I wrap things up, is there any other piece of advice or wisdom that you'd like to leave with the audience? Well, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs by nature, to be an entrepreneur, you have to be a bit of a control freak. Because <laughs> when you start your business, you have to, you have to go out there and do everything. You've yeah. got to do everything from, from cleaning the kitchen floors to selling the product, to packaging the product, to, to doing everything. Mm -hmm. And the problem is that in order to grow the business, so th the working title of my book that's called Dive In Now, and there's a whole story about why it's called Dive In in the book. But 
the the working the working title for many years was called give up control to gain control and that's the best uh, the, the advice i give most entrepreneurs is when you want to grow your business you have to give up control to gain control of your life yeah so you have to employ people and trust them and you know don't trust them the day they walk in or they're a va somewhere you don't trust them the 30 seconds after they've started they have to earn that trust Right. But you have to then give them the opportunity to earn that trust. And then you have to trust them. And what's the worst thing they can do is mess up. It's okay. They can mess up. But if you don't give them that opportunity, then you're not going to free yourself up to do what you're good at, which is grow the business. Right. And so, you, you know, we talk about the $500 hour revenue and the $10 an hour admin. Outsource the $10 an hour admin and create the $500 an hour revenue generation for yourself because that's how you grow your business. And it's about giving up control. It's about not trying to be in control of everything every minute, but starting to trust people. That's the, the best thing that's grown every one of my businesses that I've ever started. That's hard to do though. And I'm speaking from experience because, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. I totally 1000% agree with you, but it is very hard to do because you know you're going to get it done when you task somebody um, to do it, even though you could probably trust them. And we're going to get off base here, but trust them you, to know if they're doing it as fast as you'd get it done is like something you have to like just let go of and not worry about because that was my problem. Because I mean, I was vice, my husband and I had a, a large manufacturing company, we had 150 employees, and I had a hard time like letting go of certain things because because yeah. i know i'm gonna get it done i'm gonna get it done now i'm gonna do it efficiently so letting those some of those projects go is very difficult but you are right but if you let them go you create time for yourself yes to do the stuff that you're good at which is the passion which is the selling which is the business development which is the product development which is the stuff that you don't really want to outsource because you're the entrepreneur you're the the vision yeah, you're the, yeah. the passion, the purpose behind the business. So, so what is your best use of your time? It's sometimes being able to say, okay, I could do that in an hour. That employee is going to take two hours. So what? Yeah. Those two hours that the employee takes are going to give me two hours to do stuff that's going to make the business better, stronger, faster, and more excellent. Boom. On that note, <laughs> Rahel, thank you so much for being a guest. I really appreciate your time and all your wisdom. It was very, very um, informative, and I think it's going to be beneficial for a lot of the audience. You guys, this is your host, Deanna Kempel with Label Free Podcast. Live your best life. You must live label free. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, comment, and share, and I'll be back soon with more dynamic guests.